Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. I do have something I feel like I'm supposed to share, but not yet, because God wants our attention. I feel like some of you, the new ones, probably are like, wow, these people are a little crazy. Some of you that have been here for a few months are like, no, they're definitely crazy. Those of you that have been with us for a long time are just as crazy as us, so. But I feel like the last few weeks, God's been drawing us into being aware of what he's doing. Worship has gone different directions each time. Tonight felt very special. There was a moment where in the beginning I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those nights where we have to press in because it felt like there was some opposition in the room. There was a moment where we shifted to just free-flowing and then the instruments and the drums took over. And if you're not used to that, it, it could seem like it's a performance. But the only one that we're performing for is the king. And there was something in, in that invitation that Ben offered of freedom. Sometimes we have to press in. Sometimes we have to surrender. Sometimes we have to lay down and do nothing. But sometimes we have to go for it. We have to push into a place of freedom. And I feel like God is saying this is, this is not the season for spectation. This is not the season to be watching to see what God's going to do. I feel like God's the one watching saying, what are we going to do? Because he's given us everything we need. Father, just let your presence come. Father, increase our awareness of your presence right now. Just close your eyes. Father, I pray that you would just interrupt our plans, interrupt our schedules, interrupt our desires, God. Push past what we have established, God. Father, where we are lacking freedom, I pray you would break through in freedom for us, God. God, I pray for the tangible, felt presence in this room right now. The Shekinah glory. In the middle of worship, there was, a, there was this feeling I had when Ben felt that freedom. I was feeling it too, and I felt like people that were here that had addictions, sexual addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, Tobacco, whatever it is, anger addictions, I mean, whatever your addiction is, I felt like there was the freedom to kick that thing off tonight. You know, one of the biggest key to freedom is breaking past shame. 
And what happens is when we are stuck in a place of bondage, we're afraid to let people around us know. Because shame says we're less than if we have those issues. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. So I want to I reopen it. I didn't think I was going to go there, but I feel it right now. I feel freedom just available right now. So shame and fear have to be broken for freedom to reign. So if you have any addiction that you've been dealing with, any addiction in your life at all, it does not matter what it is. We're not asking for details. We're asking for vulnerability so you can break into freedom. If you have any type of addiction, anything I listed or anything that you can think of, and you know I am addicted to this. This is a cycle in my life that is preventing me from the freedom that God has called me to. I want you to lift your hands up in the air right now. If you are around somebody right now that has their hands up, I want you, and I'm, okay, here, I'm going to say this right now. Social distancing, if you prefer no one to touch you, let them know. But right now, I'm going to ask people to put their hands on your shoulders so we can actually have the laying on of hands from the saints because I believe freedom is going to break open right now. Now, don't pray yet because some of you are going to pray really hard at the problem. And that's not what we're doing tonight. The problem is not our focus. The solution is our focus. So with a really long, intense, three-second prayer, I want you to just pray the glory of God over them right now. Go. Has anybody, if you feel a shift, start waving your hands. If you're being prayed for and you feel a shift, just start waving your hands. There, right there. There, right there. Right back there. Good. Right there. Good. Right back there. Good. Right over there. Excellent. Right there. Come on. Right back there. Father, tonight we agree with you that tonight is the end of a cycle that prevents us from walking in freedom. God, we receive the blessing of freedom over our lives tonight. Father, let this house be established in freedom and be a place that freedom is received. We bless each person in this room tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. You know, it's what you can be seated. I might go on a tangent for a while, so. You know, the very first church that I was, well, it's not the first church, but really I would say the first church I was a part of after I gave my life to Jesus, there was a gentleman that was embarrassing up front every time. I mean, this person was up front, and this church wasn't a church where everybody came up front, so it was usually him. And he was dancing unashamed. He was crying. He was screaming. He was laughing. He was offensive to so many uptight Christians. He was offensive to me. I used to be an uptight Christian. How many people believe I was an uptight Christian? I was a very uptight Christian. People laughing at church offended me. I thought, that couldn't be God. I hadn't read yet about joy. (laughs) 
But this man was just, I mean, honestly, he was, because it was, you know when somebody has all of the heart and none of the skill? That's him. He couldn't dance. He couldn't sing. He didn't have rhythm. He cried at the wrong time, laughed at the wrong time. And people used to say stuff about him. And one time I heard our pastor say something. And it rocked me. Changed my life. And it was a simple phrase. He said, if you knew the freedom that he had in his life, you'd be up there with him. Because nobody knew where he'd come from. They only saw where he was. And he was so excited about what God had given him. He didn't care what anybody thought. He was letting it all go for God. Sometimes, even in this church, we need to, we need to just let it go. Because sometimes we're doing church and we're not actually living a free life. God's inviting us into something. Why? It's time. I love what Renee was talking about, the revival history. But one of the comments when we were dialoguing before she preaches, she's like, you know, there are these indicators when revivals have shown up throughout history. Plagues, you know, economic destruction, wars, political downfalls, countries being overthrown. I was like, oh, we checked off all the boxes. That's awesome. That means we're about to step into the greatest revival the world has ever seen. See, if you look around at what's going on, you're going to get depressed, angry. You're going to get something inside of you that probably doesn't resemble the nature of heaven. Why? Because you're partnering with what you're seeing. But if you understand what God's looking at, he's looking at people that are more desperate for him than ever before. Man. I'm ready to see a company of people that are so heavenly minded they are so aware of the presence of God everywhere they go that they are the exact representation of Christ for everyone that sees them. The Bible says, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We are supposed to be seen and followed. Not for ourselves, but to show someone to someone. What if we actually believed everything the word says? What if we actually tried to walk out everything that the word of God says? What if we weren't afraid to fail? What if we realized our failure doesn't tarnish his name? I hate to tell you, you're just not that important. You can't slander his name. But you're also so important, you should be the representation of his name here on earth. He chose, 
He chooses us. He's chosen every one of you. Nobody has more or less of the kingdom of God. We all have it all. Do you guys know what all means in the Bible? All means all. That's all all means. How many of you have actual struggles going on in your life? Most of you are truthful. How many of you know that there's a solution to every one of those problems? How many of you know that the solution is not found in the problem? So if you put your attention on the problem, guess what's going to stay in front of you? The problem. Oh my gosh. How many of you are afraid of messy church? None of you are pastors, that's why. <laughs> Some of you just don't want to raise your hand because I'm the guy that's looking at you and you're afraid I'm going to call you out. You're right. I never want to offend someone knowingly but I'm not afraid to offend somebody on accident. And what I mean by that is I'm not afraid from my walk with God and my absolute surrender to Him. I'm not afraid of that offending somebody that's scared of my freedom. Freedom scares people in bondage. If you're walking out a completely free life, you're scaring people around you. You know, when I was in the first, well, this is going to be really hard for you to believe. When I got saved, I was pretty radical. I'm, I used to run around and scream the name of Jesus just randomly. It was like my Tourette's. I just... I was just crazy. Because I didn't have anything else. I had given everything up for him. That's why she married me. That's why I married her. First thing she ever heard me say is, I don't want a woman. I don't want many friends. I just want Jesus. First thing I heard her say is, I'm not interested in relationships. I'm going after God. I was like, awesome. I'll never think about this person. And then God said, hee, hee, hee. But I was honest. I didn't want anything. And I didn't care who knew how much I loved God. The job I worked at, I see, I actually believe that crazy, radical, unabandoned faith in God, allowing your life to just be an explosion of who he is all around you, brings favor on your life. The job I had, I should have been let go from because of how crazy I was for God. I was a sales manager of a fitness club. I think I led more people to the Lord than I did sign up for memberships. <laughs> I would just stand in the middle of the 
lobby of our club and just stand there. Oh, do you feel his presence? Christians would walk and be like, this is awesome. Are you allowed to do this? I don't care. I didn't care. My job wasn't worth my faith. My fear of man wasn't worth my faith. My faith wasn't for sale. I couldn't allow something to be more important than my faith. Does that mean everybody has to be as radical? No, but it does mean you need to stop being silent. I don't know why I'm going after this right now, but if you're offended, I am sorry. I, I don't mean to offend purposely, but get over it. I'm always surprised they let me come back up and do this. I just... You know, I had, a, I had a gentleman in the first church we were part of because, like I said, I was... I was just crazy. I intimidated people. I intimidated most people with my Jesus. And I had somebody tell me once, they're like, you know, you're, you're so wild and on, like, just kind of crazy that you offend people and you make people feel like they're not good enough around you. See, at that point in my life, I thought, oh, I need to tone that down. I hadn't heard Danny Silk yet telling me that their feelings were their responsibility, not mine. I hadn't had that teaching. So I wanted to be a good Christian and not offend and not make people feel insecure. Has anybody else ever felt that way? Break that off your life right now. Because I had an amazing you or young adult pastor that told me don't let your light be put under a bushel he said you were created to fly so fly and let everyone see you fly he just he kind of kicked my butt like why would you let someone take away the fire and freedom that god gave you because of their insecurities do I want people to feel bad around me? No, I want them to get excited and challenged that there's something more available. I struggle when I read the Bible sometimes where the disciples left everything. They gave everything. They left their families to follow him. Anybody else have a problem with that? I did. That's hard to read. I'm blessed he hasn't asked me to do that. I think this day and age it's different. You don't have to do it like that. Some do. But would I be willing? Yes. I'd let go of anything I have to have all of him. We are coming up to a time in history that we cannot allow ourselves to sit and watch what happens at church. 
If your life isn't challenging people to know who he is, you're probably not living out loud. Man, I got you guys all on your heels right now. I still love you. I think you guys have also realized that a lot of what I do up here is process what I'm doing. It's my season. It's my revelation that I cannot sit back and watch God pass me by. Can't do it. I don't want to desire the manifestations of God. But there is something about when he shows up in splendorous ways that make me just adore the mysteries of him. I've had some of the craziest manifestations happen on my body, in my life. And they haven't happened for a while. And I did what most of us probably do. God, am I doing something wrong? Am I missing something? Not. But it's stirring up. It's got to do something. What it has to do inside me is it has to stir up hunger and not doubt. I'm not hungering for the manifestation, but I'm hungering for his presence to be so aware on my, I want it to be on my life that there is such an awareness that supernatural things happen. This is going to sound funny, but I'm not satisfied with healings. I'm not satisfied with prophecy. I want signs and wonders. I want mountains to obey my command and move. I want cities to fall by the proclamation of his name. I want to see a city come to... I want to see the manifest presence of God descend upon a city that people come out, fall in the streets, weeping and repenting because of the glorious nature that's resting over a city. I want to see men actually stand up and be men and be fathers and be sons. I want to break this stupid fatherless thing off this generation like nothing other. If I'm called to anything, it's to kick that thing in the face and to call fathers into their identity. Men need to be men and they need to lead because the world needs to see a father. Man. All right. I'm going to open my notes just in case. It happened. I want, I want some honesty, if you haven't told, couldn't tell. And this isn't to shame anyone. This isn't to challenge where anyone is. But, and I don't want everybody to look around, but I want some honesty because I want to see in this house how this resonates. And please, I, I'm being as honest as I can be in the fact that I'm not judging. I honestly want to see where a lot of people are at. How many people are a little bit freaked out by some of the manifestations, some of the weird 
some of the weird things we do, but some of the manifestations that other people are doing, and just kind of the weird things of God. How many people just, it bugs you a little bit? Actually, let me do, it's two questions. How many of you are a little freaked out by it? And how many of you, it, it actually challenges you and it bugs you? Okay, good. I, um, I was that guy. I really struggled early on with people manifesting because I thought, that's just dishonoring God. Why can't they control themselves? They must be faking it. That was the other one. Oh, they must be faking it. Because I would see a group of people and I would know somebody was faking it because you could tell. So, you know, since one was faking it, God must not be in the room. Everybody was faking it, right? No. But I did that for a long time until I had an encounter. And I remember the first time I actually had an encounter where my physical body did something I wasn't controlling or planning. My friend looked at me about six feet away and he said, lift up your hands. So I lifted up my hands. And then when I turned my face, I realized there was carpet on my face. And I was very confused. And I start to get up and I hear, wait. I'm like, okay. So I'm just laying there, face in the carpet. This is a, okay, so this happens towards the end of church, the church that we were at. They were doing ministry, so I'm up front. We're praying for people, and this happens. So I'm on the ground. About three or four minutes later, because three or four minutes when you're laying there with carpet in your face is a long time. I went to turn my face and wait. Now I'm kind of getting frustrated. I'm like, why are they telling me to wait? Third time, I finally... I'm turning my head a little like, are they going to catch me? And nothing. And I look over, and my wife is sitting about as far as she is now. And she's the only one I can see. And I'm kind of frustrated thinking, why did you tell me to wait? And she's like, I didn't say anything. And I get up, and we were, we were two of five people in the room. And it, there was probably this many people in the church when I first lifted my hands. What I guess happened is when I went like this, I went like this. And I didn't, it wasn't a graceful, you know, like, I'm going to courtesy fall, like. It was a straight on my face. No red marks, no abrasions, just God telling me to wait. Now, do you want to hear the profound thing that God told me during that time? He said, wait. That's all I heard. No visions, no amazing encounters, just wait. But that'll change you when that happens. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that was a very subtle thing as well. <clears throat> we were at a prayer meeting with all of the young adults, and I had just been baptized in the river, Yuba River, near the fall, because it was literally, oh, oh my goodness. It was 21 years ago tonight. 
Wow, I just thought of that. Okay, this is even more fun. Ah, this is, might be what we're doing. I'm just going to throw the notes away. This is okay. So I'm fairly new to Christianity as far as understanding anything that's in. I honestly hadn't hardly read the word at all. And we're at this prayer meeting, and we get done praying, and this girl walks up to me, and she goes, have you been baptized? And I was like, yeah. She goes, oh, okay, just wondering, and walks away, thinking, that is the weirdest question. Just got done praying, have you been baptized? I'm like, do I look too dry? Am I supposed to still be wet? I don't understand the question. And... So I walk over, and she's sitting with a couple of guys on the couch, and they're, they've got the Bibles open. They're just talking about something. I said, I'm sorry. You asked if I'd been baptized. I don't know what you mean. She goes, do you speak in tongues? And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I was like, I'm thinking in my head, I always use my tongue. <laughs> I didn't know what speaking in tongues was. So I'm like, I'm thinking, I don't know sign language. Is there another way? Like, I thought this was a trick Bible question. And she goes, no, hey, do you know what speaking in, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, no. So they're like, oh, sit down. So they sit down, they go through scripture, they show me like five or six places in the Bible that it talks about it's free gift to us, it's a manifestation of God's glory on your life, it's free, everybody can have it, everybody gets it. And they just went through these different things. And they're like, is this something you'd like? And this just, you know, my subtle approach to God, I'm like, Yes. If it's in the Bible, I want it. I have tried to walk on water and fallen in pools. I've tried to walk through walls and hurt my nose. I have laid on dead bodies. That freaked some of you out. Everybody's like, ha ha, ooh. I, I read it in the Bible. Somebody laid on a dead body, mouth to mouth, palm to palm, the person got up. So I laid on a dead body. If it's in the word of God, it's an invitation because we've been promised everything. Okay, back to the baptism. So they're like, would you like it? I'm like, yes. Now, how many of you have ever been in church and had somebody pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the buildup on what it's going to be is longer than the prayer? If you've been in church longer than a week, that's probably happened. So... They get a bunch of people standing around me, and they literally spend like three minutes talking about, it may not happen right away. You know, sometimes it comes in stages. You may have to say banana backwards. Like, all these different things to encourage me to speak in tongues. I still don't even know what tongues is or what it sounds like. So while they're saying in my head, I'm like, ananaba, ananaba, I didn't know if that's what it was. I, this is funny, but I'm being serious. I'm clueless. So in my head, being a nice, non-offensive, polite Christian, I'm thinking, shut up and pray for me. Because I'm done hearing that this isn't going to happen tonight. You said it was available to everyone for free, and now you're telling me it may not happen. I don't understand the question. You said it was offered. Give it to me. So this is what they're praying. They're like, they're saying all these things, and one guy goes, okay, so we're going to have you lift your hands. 
Now at this point, I heard that, so I start the motion. I think they were still talking. I don't know. Because when I lifted, something happened. It was like a volcano. I just, and I mean, it, it came out of me like I was screaming in tongues. Like, I don't know if that's in the Bible, but I did that a lot for three and a half hours. I could not stop. I got drunk in the Holy Spirit, which I didn't know was a thing. I just thought, I feel really good. I can't stand up straight and my mouth won't stop. It's just like, it was literally, I'd try to stop. It's like, I could not stop. Three and a half, and you think I'm, they had to pick me up and put me in a car to take us to the church for another meeting that was an hour and a half after we started. Like, I was still going. They'd take me out, they laid me down in front of the pastor that was doing, because it was Halloween, and this church was doing something about praying against Halloween and all that stuff, and they lay me down and put me there, and they're like, he's like, what happened to him? They're like, we prayed for him. Awesome. That's all they could say. That'll change you. You can't tell me it's not real. I didn't make that choice. I love how people sometimes say, because this is a true statement, God's a gentleman. He would never force anything on you. How many of you have heard that? How many of you like that version of God? Because he's less scary. He's also sovereign, and he loves you enough to get you past your problem. How many of you have kids? How many of you have ever been a kid? How many of you are not going to raise your hands? Okay. Children sometimes need that extra push to get past themselves because they don't understand. I'm thankful that my God knows I'm stubborn and slow, and he throws me past my problems sometimes. I have an unabandoned, unquestionable trust in God. I have done things that make me offended at myself. I don't know if, I'm going to tell you guys some weird stories. I don't know, I feel it's story time tonight. I just, here, we can just, just take these. These are useless. I don't even want them up here distracting me. This was not what I planned tonight. Never is. <laughs> First time I think I did something that honestly I questioned for about a millisecond if it was God because then I just went for it was Joaquin, back when he was the director of the healing rooms, he did his very first healing conference. And the very first healing conference he did was for pastors and leaders. So there was 150 invites, capped at 150. The last session at the last day, they always line them up and they pray for them. And it's kind of one of those, you know, the crazy bam, 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 just laying hands on them, running by, doing the fun stuff. Chad Dedman, I don't know if you guys, he was here a couple weeks ago. Chad Dedman was the one that was praying for everybody. Joaquin's standing there, I'm standing here, and we're talking to somebody. And I'm just 
Joaquin's talking, and I'm kind of watching Chad, and there's three rows of 50. He's going down the line. And as he turns the line, I'm like, I have to tackle Chad. That's not a normal thought of mine. I am crazy, but that's not a normal thought, especially in that setting. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's God. So I turn to Joaquin. I think I'm supposed to tackle Chad. Joaquin and I have been friends long enough. He knows when I have the God look on me, like kind of that crazy, like, yep, it's God. Just do whatever he's telling you to do. So he goes, then go. I'm short, but I'm not a small guy. And when I tackle, it's not soft. Is Steven Jaton in here? No, he's not. He was another victim. Um, so Chad's coming down. He's almost at the end of the row, and I just full, full run. Just I start running towards him, because if you're going to tackle, you have to run. He turns and gets to the last line as I'm in the air. And he sees me, and I think he thought he was going home to Jesus. But when I hit him, everyone in that row went out. The whole row just, it was an explosion of God. If I look at you crazy, I may or may not tackle you. Don't be scared. And then I have good friends telling me, you should tackle Benny Johnson. I'm like, no, I shouldn't. That's not God. I know friends, would, they would, they'd be pointing at people like the most awkward person. Tackle him. Nope. It, you're not God and I ain't listening. But I probably did that about 15 times over a six-year period. One of our friends actually had hurt his knee really bad and had it wrapped up, and um, we were at a small little conference we were doing, and he's standing about three feet in front of a pillar, and he was a big guy, a big guy, Ahab, those of you that know Ahab, big guy, this is pre him going on a diet, and I just looked at him, and he'd seen it before, and he went, oh. Because I had that crazy look, and I was like, <laughs> and I ran, and boom, hit him. He flew up, hit the pillar, hit the ground, got up, knee healed. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. And I don't know in the Bible where it says, tackle to heal. But I know when God speaks to me, I'm sensitive enough to listen, and he knows he can trust I'll follow him. Because trust me, tackling someone like that, as fun as the story sounds, was not comfortable. I smacked a woman in the face <laughs> in Nebraska. I'm scaring the heck out of you guys. Man, Joaquin's going to be getting so many emails. You need to remove this guy from staff. He's not stable. He already knows, so you're in trouble if you send that email. 
Man, I'm telling you some weird stories. I wish Renee had gotten to... Did Renee ever go over Wigglesworth? Did she go over that in the first revival history? Or the, okay, so you guys know about the crazy things he did, like dropkick the baby, all that stuff. Yeah. I would literally, God would have to manifest, take my leg, bring it back, because that's one I don't know if I could. He can trust me, but that's just, ugh, I don't know. But we had a line of people, and this woman standing there, and I just, pop, I didn't even think about it. Just. And I, I've been doing martial arts for 20 years, so I don't hit softly. <laughs> and she, her feet were about my waist height, and she hit the ground. And she got up and started yelling at me. <laughs> don't blame her. <laughs> but about 15 seconds into her yelling at me, she just dropped to her knees and started crying. Because her jaw had been fused and she had wires in her jaw and she couldn't open her mouth and she couldn't talk. And when I smacked her, she was completely healed. What are you willing to risk for him? Now, I, I'm not encouraging this body to run out and start tackling people and slapping people and... That's not what I'm saying. Look, the Bible has a whole lot of people in it, and some people are named, and then some do crazy things. But it's a really small amount. You hear about the Wigglesworth, and you don't hear about anybody else like that. Except now, you hear about me. But I'm called to be extreme. That's just the lifestyle that God has put on me. I'm called to push the envelope in areas that I don't always like, but I'm willing to do it. Why? I'll do whatever he says. But what are you willing to do for him? What if it's something as simple as standing up in a restaurant and asking everyone to bow their heads while you pray for your meal and their meals too? What if it's just talking to your coworker and boldly saying, I just want you to know I pray for you. God has a plan for your life and he loves you. And I'd love to pray for you myself. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to invite you to church. I'd love for you to get to know this God that I know. What if he's asking you to stand up in church and lift your hands? Everybody's got their own measure of breakthrough in front of them. What are you willing to do for him? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to let go? It's not enough to know him. It's not enough to know, I'm sorry, it's not enough to know about him. It's not enough to have the scriptures in you. The devil used the scripture to tempt Jesus. If you have a whole lot of scripture and you don't live a lifestyle that reflects what the scripture talks about, then you're going to end up using that scripture to prove you're right in an argument with people that don't agree with you.
I don't ever want to have to convince them. I'm not going to sell you my Christianity. I'm going to show you my God. I'm going to show you who the Father is. This fatherless thing, God has given me some revelation recently, and it may see, I may say it, and a lot of you may be like, yeah, I've known that for my whole life. Great. I just came into this knowledge, so. <laughs> we are all created in his image, right? Seven of you believe that. It's awesome. We are all promised all of the inheritance, Right? We share the inheritance with Jesus. That means everything Jesus has, we have. This is basic Bible. Do you know in the Bible we are actually called little gods? Now that translation is a little bit different in some versions. And we're not supposed to act like God. But we actually are being, we're actually able to have the full inheritance of what God has here. We're given everything. We're supposed to be the likeness and image of him. We're created in his image. So when you approach a God, all you're doing is approaching what's available. When you approach a father, you're approaching someone to do life with. The world has been judged based on godly measures. The father only wants to love his children. There is something happening right now where people are beginning to not have an attraction to God. Why? Because there's too many available. And if you look at God, only God, Christianity has a lot of rules and restrictions but the rules of religion actually become the pleasure of a relationship. When you're in relationship with a the father, they're no longer rules. They're actually the joy of walking out life with your father. But when people are handed a God to serve, they actually look at it and say, well, I've been shown three other gods, and this one has a better benefits package over here. Because it sails when you're trying to push a religion on someone. You need to introduce them to a father. How do you do that? You walk out the life of a son. What was Jesus' life? Was Jesus afraid of what anyone said? Did Jesus ever defend himself? What was Jesus' answer every time he was challenged by religious? I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. That was the defining moment where he established, if you're approaching it as a God, the religious people will approach it as a God, he reapproached it as a relationship with the Father. His answer to religious questions were always relational answers. Are you taking your Father to work with you? Are you taking your father to school with you? Do people know that you're with your father wherever you are?
Man, this feels heavy. I'm not trying to scold you guys. I love y'all. This is, I'm processing my life right now. Just take it. (laughs) Or just point and smile, whatever you want to do. Is the Father seen in my actions? Is the Father seen in my words? This world is desperate for a father. Absolutely desperate for a father. I'm even going to go there. Excuse me if this... I haven't actually gotten into the word enough to just fully flush this out, but I'm going to just be messy. You guys okay with messy? Who's not okay with messy? There was a statistic thrown out that a third of all homes don't have fathers. When I heard that statistic, my brain immediately went, wow, a third of heaven was cast down. Lucifer actually was the most glorious of all angels. He led. What, what, why did he get cast down? Because he wanted to be like God. See, Lucifer lost sight of the father and actually saw a God. When you only see a God, you have to make a decision. I have to follow or become a God because it's our design. He lost sight of the Father, so he could no longer be there in relationship. And a third of heaven, a third of families, were cast down without view of a Father. We need to change, the, we need to change that. We need to actually make the Father seen with every family on the planet. What would the world look like if fathers were in every home? I, nobody, you guys can clap, applaud, think about No one has an idea of what it would look like because we've never seen it. But picture the most healthy family you know that the father is completely active in that family. It could be your own. It could be somebody else's. But picture that and then think every house on the planet looked like that. What would happen? Do you think we would have the division we have in our society? Would we have the issues we're facing? Probably not. If fathers are present, discipline's usually in the house. Men, I'm calling you forth to discipline your children. Sorry, I felt like I needed to say that. Society has told you you shouldn't. Society is not the maker of who a man should be. Did we announce the men's? Oh. Men in the house should have gotten an email. Men's ministry is coming early next year. I'm going to just throw this out there. If you're male, and there's only two genders, so you're either are or aren't. If you're a male, you should be involved in this ministry. To either receive, give, or both. 
because the men of this house are going to make a statement that is going to change the, the scope of what men are in this city, which is going to change what happens in this state and this country, and we're going to be known. One of the first prophetic visions I had about praying over Austin was that newspapers were being opened in other countries, and it said there's the first city of fathers has, has, has shown up, and it was Austin. That fatherlessness was actually broken over a city. Man. I don't want to let go of what was offered earlier. I believe that if you have not... Okay, let me, let me do this really quick. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not an, uh, not an event that happens one time. It's a continual lifestyle. We are baptized and baptized and baptized and baptized. You are filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. It's not a one-time event and then you're done. So this invitation is not for people that have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is for every one of us to receive. But I believe that there is a baptism coming. And I believe there's a baptism coming that's actually going to shake people. And I think I mean physically. Some of you may be very uncomfortable with what's about to happen. Yep. <laughs> I didn't say it. I just said yep. You know... If I let the encounter that someone else is having become an offense in my heart, I'm judging God. Because I don't know if that person's having an actual encounter with God or not, but if they are, I'm telling God I don't approve of what he's doing. I wouldn't go down that road if I were you. And the reality is if I see something and I'm not sure, I pray for it. And if I'm still not sure... I try to ignore it. And if I can't, I pray for it again. Or I go to the other side of the room. But I'm not afraid of people having encounters. I've seen freedom in people. I've seen people completely interrupt a service because of their outlandish actions, noise, yelling, screaming, crying, laughing. And if you only knew their story. This is what I want to ask you. Who knows they have an area of their life that you consciously haven't allowed yourself to give to God. And then the other side of that is who's afraid to let an aspect of what God might do with you inhibit you from actually stepping forward. This is your night. But what it takes is boldness. He will do it in your chair, but he doesn't want to. 
He wants you to actually make a statement and step forward to receive something. Can I have the worship team come on? If you know that there is something specific in your life that you're not letting go, that you're just, you're like, God, this is an area I don't want to give you. Some of you, it's money. Some of you, it's family. Some of you, it's friends. Some of you, it's secrets that you somehow think he doesn't know about that you want to keep from your friends because if they know, you feel like you have to make a change. And then some of you are actually afraid to let something go. When I actually gave my life to Jesus, I walked away from everyone except one family because God actually put them on my heart to stay in contact with. And that was Joaquin... Jim, Paula, Jahi. They were the only family I kept in touch with when I got saved. And I was very connected in my community with a lot of different people. And I walked away from all of it. I gave all of it up because he was worth it. If you are afraid or know there's something that you're not giving to him, and you want that freedom, I want you to come up front. The other group that I want to invite up front is if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you do not speak in tongues, I want you to come up front as well. Now, there's a lot of religious thoughts around when tongues is appropriate and when it's not. I'm not worried about appropriate right now. I'm worried about freedom. I'm worried about breakthrough. And I'm not laying hands on anybody. I don't need to. Because I came with my father tonight. I don't need to do anything. He's here to do all the things he wants. So this is what I want. I want you, when you're ready, when you're ready, I want you to lift your hands up and I want you to start speaking in tongues. Now, those of you that don't speak in tongues yet are like, uh, that's a problem. No, it's not. It's a problem if speaking in tongues is going to go through your mind or through your heart. But what I'm going to invite is everyone else in here tonight. Everyone else. Not most of you. All of you. I'm inviting you to stand up. I'm inviting you to lift your hands. I'm inviting you to speak and pray in the Spirit. 
not your inside voice. This is not time to think about what God's doing. It's time to do what God's doing. And I just want you, it doesn't have to be loud and crazy. It doesn't have to be very quiet. It's whatever God's leading you to. But if you do speak in tongues and you're out there, I want you to lift your hands and just begin to be singing and speaking in tongues. Why? Because you're going to receive a baptism tonight as well, but you're going to usher in faith for those up here to receive. And I'm actually, I knew I was supposed to give this back over to worship tonight. There's something on worship. There's something what God wants to do. And this team is surrendered enough to step into whatever he's doing. So they're going to take it. They're going to just sing, and I trust that they're going to sing what needs to be sung or played or waiting. I don't care. I trust them. I know they go after God. But I want you in here, don't stop until you've received what you came for. Don't allow yourself to leave without breakthrough. Don't allow yourself to think, maybe it's just not my night. This is where we press in for freedom. If you're caged up, you have to break through. Break down the walls of the prison that's kept you bound. Break it down and step into a place of freedom. If you're out there, just begin to sing and speak in tongues. As you're up here, you just, when you're ready for your breakthrough, when you're ready to either give it to God, when you're ready to let go of that fear, or you're ready to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just lift your hands up and begin to speak in tongues. If you haven't yet and it doesn't come out naturally, keep your hands up and just think about Him. Let His thoughts become your thoughts and His words become your words. Father, I thank you for everyone in this place tonight. God, I pray for a manifest presence to fall upon us. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would come, that you would begin to baptize everyone in this room right now, that you would come in fire, God. You would come in love. You would come in power. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing tonight. We thank you for your fullness. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your freedom. God, we pray for the fullness of your presence to be manifest in this place tonight. We're just going to go from this place. If you do have children, be aware of the time. Don't leave with them. Go grab them and bring them back. Bring them in here. They should not have a separate encounter with God than you do. Let them, and let them experience what you're experiencing with God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.